Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our 10-part series entitled, Because Jesus is Lord, we're exploring the practical ways in which the Lordship of Jesus impacts our everyday lives. We hope you enjoy, and you can check out more at churchinthecity.us. Hugh and Vanessa, why don't you come up too? Yeah. <laughs> Hugh is going to be preaching this morning, so super excited about that. But uh, before we get into the word, I just wanted to take a moment to honor this couple. And uh, I brought them both up here because you guys need to realize that as much as Hugh has done in the last while, he could never have done it without Vanessa. As, uh, <laughs> but um, I don't think many of you, um, perhaps some of you do, but I don't think many of you know uh, what an incredible couple of capacity this, this, this is. Um, Hugh, is um, and, and Hugh and Vanessa are incredible, incredible parents amazing, amazing husband and wife. They have a delightful marriage, uh, raising up amazing, amazing children. Um, Hugh has an incredibly uh, uh, difficult, time-consuming job, and yet he is doing that with such grace and with incredible favor upon him. And then on top of that, he uh, is an elder at the church. Hugh and Vanessa serve on, you know, on, on our church's leadership team and do that with an incredible heart for, for each of you. Uh, uh, one of the things that I love about Hugh and Vanessa is their, is their shepherding heart, their passion for Jesus and their passion for each of you. They, they love you. I know you guys know that, but I want you to know in elders' meetings, they speak so fondly, so, so favorably of, of each of you, desiring you to walk into your gifting. Um, and then on top of all of that, Hugh decided that he thought it would be good for him to do a master's in theology. Um, on top of being a dad and um, a, a, a husband and a coach in softball and a business guy and an elder, he decided it would be helpful to do a, a theology master's, which he graduates in a couple of weeks, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but the reason I wanted Vanessa up here is um, Hugh would not be able to do the Masters in Theology if it were not for um, his wife. So just wanted to honor them as a couple. Um, something that I had... Something that I had on my heart this morning um, as I was praying for Hugh was uh, that, that passage in Acts chapter 3 where Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but that which I have I give unto you. And my prayer for this morning is that what is in this couple's heart would be given to us. The, the love that they have for Jesus, the love that they have for, for this incredible family, that that would be imparted somehow to us. And so to that end, I'm going to ask Vanessa to pray for her husband before you sit down. Father, thank you for this morning. And just, um, I pray for your anointing, Father, on Hugh this morning as he speaks, Lord, that he be able to share his heart passionately, God, and with boldness and conviction, God. And I just pray that your Father's heart, your love, Lord, for us will come through this morning, God, your acceptance. And just you'd stir us all, Lord, with more of your love, God, this morning. So ready us this morning to receive from you, Father. Amen. Wow, it's a lot of pressure already. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Um, I uh, actually am getting more and more intimidated right now because I just feel like the things that God was speaking to us through the worship and through the time, you know, through the Word, is, is kind of like what I'm 
would like to share on. And, uh, and I feel like it's not going to be enough. So, uh, so hopefully you guys will catch the message. And uh, some of the things I may phrase it incorrectly, hopefully God has already spoken to you. And uh, you know what I mean, right? Uh, all right. Well, um, I would like to welcome those who are visiting church in the city for the first time or those who were not here last week. We are going through the series of Jesus is Lord, as you can see in the background, and living daily for the King. Uh, just a quick recap, you know, throughout this series, we will share about what it means to declare that Jesus, Lord, Jesus is Lord and live that declaration out daily. Uh, through our proclamation, and just as importantly, through our action of exalting Jesus, we will impact other people. And we, the impacts that we're making to those around us is how we advance the kingdom. Um, and before, before I start getting into the message, you know, I, I just want to take a, a few minutes just to go through some of the terms that we use often or frequently that sometimes we may not, we may not realize that not everybody is on the same wavelength. You know, we throw out the terms like the kingdom, the king, advancing his kingdom. Well, what do they really mean? Uh, just a quick recap on the kingdom. Last week, Steve shared you know, with us the definition for the kingdom is the reign and rule of Jesus, the extent of his lordship and influence. It is the tangible effects of God's influence over our lives. Wait, that's kingdom, right? That's kingdom. I get confused sometimes. Uh, <laughs> And the king, uh, you know, the king, we all know the king is Jesus Christ. Um, but Steve used a wonderful example last week from Isaiah 9, 6 about, you know, our, our king, our Lord is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. And, um, and it's easy for us to know who the king is, but it's not as easy for others to fully understand that because we live in a nation where historically we've never had a king. We actually fought not to have a king. So we can help other people understand the lordship of Jesus, the lordship of, of, of our king through how we submit our lives to Jesus. So uh, advancing the kingdom. Um, you know, advancing the kingdom is, is commonly, commonly referred to uh, in, in the verse Matthew 28. It's a great commission. Uh, In Matthew 28, verse, uh, I think, 18 to 20. I I, I don't know if I put it actually. Okay, I did not. Good. So I'm going to say it really quick for you guys. So when Jesus said, therefore go, and hopefully you guys are familiar with this, Matthew 28. um, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So advancing his kingdom is, is a goal. This is an action word. So God is telling us to do something. To, and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, means that we have to physically pick ourselves up and move to a different uh, city or a different state or a different country. I mean, yes, for some, but not always for all of us. Uh, however, for, for all of us together, because it is an action word, we are to do something. Uh, do something to, to multiply to, to increase and expand his influence, not only over us, but those around us. So, and, um, and also, you know, we, we're familiar, familiar with Matthew 28. Um, but that was not the only time that we were commissioned to go somewhere. We use, uh, it's always been God's heart to expand and influence 
and share with other people of who he is, of his love for other people. Because it's, you know, we use the term the Great Commission to describe the magnitude of of Jesus' command. Uh, However, he is just reminding us. It's another reminder to us of his calling on all of us, on our lives. Because from the very beginning, uh, he had commissioned us to advance and to multiply and to expand. I know last week Steve shared a little bit, you know, from... Uh, from example, from Abraham, from Adam. But I, you know, I'd like to qu- kind of quickly go through this just to remind us again of what God has always wanted us to do from the very beginning. It's, so in Genesis 1:28, as soon as we, mankind was created, he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, and after the flood, he reminded, he reminded Noah and his sons He said, be fruitful and increase. It's in Genesis 9.1. So be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So he's reminded Noah again as they are to increase and expand. Um, Again, with Abraham. He said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Uh, And again, he he keeps reminding us because um, in a way he knows that we're not going to remember it just because he said it one time. And also because of his love for us. He wants to constantly remind us of his commission on our lives. And he said it again through, uh, through Isaiah 66. When uh, he said, I will set a sign among them and I will send some of the survivors to the nation uh, and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or see my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. So he's constantly saying that. But not only are we to go even when we're staying where we're at, he wants us to expand and increase and multiply. I see in uh, Jeremiah 29, 6. Uh, I think most of you are familiar with, with these verses. It said, marry and have sons and daughters, settle down, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. So he, he constantly reminded us from the very beginning of time to you know, through Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, through Isaiah, like in Matthew 28, and through Paul's ministry, he wants to remind us of his father's heart. Is he wants us to expand, to go out, to share with others about his love for us, his heart for us, because of that expansion. So then, at the end of time, which he can gather all of us together, as many as possible. That's what he said in Revelation 21, verse 26. He said, so then the glory and the honor of the nation will be brought into it, into this new Jerusalem, into this new heaven. So that's why we are to go and share with others always, constantly being called to advance his kingdom. And that's what it means when God talks to us about advancing his kingdom because it's something that we have always been called to do. Uh, In short, what I just said. Um... (laughs) Uh, okay, so how do we advance his kingdom in our daily life? You know, it's, this is 2015, right? I mean, realistically, we're not going to pick up our tent and move to the next hill and just put our stake down and let our sheep and lamb just kind of gaze, glaze, graze. Right. Gra- yeah, there you go. <laughs> James said, actually, I need a translator. So, uh, so next time I'm up here, there will be subtitles in the back for you guys. Uh, so... It's not funny, by the way. (laughs) 
well, okay, so this is 2015. You know, it is true. We can't just pick up and move to the next hill or to the next uh, whatever, or to the next river, to the next watering hole. You know, we, we can still advance his kingdom through many different ways. And uh, this week specifically, I want to share with you guys about how we can advance his kingdom through understanding God's love and how to outwork it practically. You know, I wanted to share, you know, there, there have been many books and sermons on, on God loving us, and it is true. Uh, but I want to talk about the practicality of the practical of us fully understanding his love, receiving his love, and how to live that out, live out his love. And when we do that, that's how we advance his kingdom. Um, firstly, to, before we get to us uh, understanding his love, You know, we need to be constantly be reminded, and, and just like the song this, this, this morning, to be reminded, reminded of our personal revelation of his love for us. You know, as, as we have an understanding and a revelation for God's love, we will be able to receive it. And once we have his love, we will be able to advance his, advance his kingdom by allowing his love to flow into us, and through us onto those around us so then they can experience his goodness and how awesome he is and how good he is and how much he loves us. It's through what we do. It's through our understanding of, of love. Uh, but before, you know, I, I just want to share uh, something really quick. Is, it's something that I, I used to hear a lot before I was saved. And, I, you know, to a certain degree, we still, I, I still hear it very often is, is the word that God loves you. Um, it's a really powerful statement. But it's being used so often and so carelessly that it has become such a cliche now. You know, we, we hear that people say that without really truly understanding what those three words mean. And, and people say that without truly understanding for themselves. And after a while, when you keep saying it, it becomes just empty words to others. Or it can be very conditional, or legalistic. Conditional from the standpoint like, well, I have to do all these things because God loves me. There's a condition. That's not how it is. And legalistic from the standpoint is because, well, I've been taught this, so this is what I'm telling you. Or just regurgitating the things that you are told. It should never be like that. You know, God loves you should never, ever be empty, ever. When you speak those things to people, it should bring, there should be power behind it. It should make an impact. You know, we should transform people. And when we speak it, it's not what we say, it's what we do. Both saying it and doing it, that God loves you. Um, the, the, see, when we say God loves you, the, power that, the divine power should be accompanied by that. And whoever hears the word God loves you, they, they should drop to their knees and confess their sins and receive salvation. But it's because we use it so often. We minimize the impact and we, we need to fully understand what it means and the cost of saying God loves you. Um, you know, God loves you. It's a declar- when we, that's how we declare his goodness to us. We're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our King and our Savior. You know, we're advancing his kingdom when we say God loves you. And this should mean something incredible and wonderful to us when we say God loves you. Because how do we know that? See, how do we know that God loves How do I know that God loves me? It's because not only he has said it, but he has done it. We all know this. He constantly pursues us when we reject him. He constantly fights for us when we wouldn't even fight for ourselves. You know, he loves us when we don't even love ourselves. 
He wants the best for us, even when we don't think the best of ourselves. He wants to tell us how much he loves us, even when we tune him out. He constantly provides for us when we think that we're providing for ourselves. And most of all, the ultimate sacrifice. He died for us just to let us know how much we love him. So in order for the God loves you to be effective, we need to fully understand God's love for us. And, and it's, it's going to sound um, blasphemy, but, well, actually, it's not blasphemy. This is, it's truth. You know, God doesn't need us. I don't know if you guys know that. He doesn't need us. He doesn't have to include us. You know, he, he's already perfect from the very beginning. He was already complete. He was in, in this complete, perfect relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't need to mess it up. It was awesome. It, it, will, it would be an inconvenient to add other people into that relationship. Because the Bible could have been really, really short. In the beginning, there was God, and that, that could have been perfect. It, it, it is, right? It could have been perfect, and it would have been really easy for us to memorize the Bible. Um, but he actually did something. He didn't, he didn't wait for, for, for us to ask it, but he willingly did something. He brought us into this perfect unity. He messed up this, well, he didn't mess it up, but he brought us into it. He, he intentionally added us into this complete relationship and unity that we have and, and we have done nothing realistically. If, if we think we're good, we haven't done anything to add to the equation. We haven't done anything to deserve it, but he made it happen. But it's free for us to receive that. It's free for us to receive that love and be able to come into this perfect relationship, this complete unity, but it costs him something and it costs him a lot. The, do, we, do we truly understand the cost of him extending his divine love to us? I mean, I, I know we, we hear this a lot, but it's for him to be fully man, which um, you know, he's already fully God, but for him to be fully man and fully going through all the physical pain, physical insecurity, emotional insecurity, doubt. I mean, who in here think that we're perfect? That we look the way that we look, we're supposed to look, We're as smart as we think we are. We are strong as we think we are. No one. But he was able to come into and be fully man and go through all those emotions and all those insecurities that we have. But not only that, he went to the cross for us. We all know that. But sometimes, for me, sometimes I forget about all the things that he went through to get to the cross. You know, the beating, the whipping, the cursing, the spitting. Nailing, being nailed to the cross. I mean, if, if we fully, really think about that, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. I haven't been whipped once yet. Well, as a kid, I get whipped a lot. But as an adult, I've never been whipped yet. Um, but, you know, just, just to, um, I, I didn't mean to make light of that situation. It, I'm trying to say it's the things that he went through willingly for us. The cost of that. We didn't do anything to deserve that. But he did it willingly. That's the cost of it. And, you know, I actually think what's worse than him be, being persecuted, being beaten, and being hung on a cross is the separation from the Father. That's, that's for Jesus. That's probably the worst thing for him. Granted, he got beaten, 
but when he was being whipped, he never said, oh, stop whipping me. I use a softer whip. You know, when he was being dragged along, he didn't complain. When he's being nailed on the cross, he didn't say, oh, tie me up instead. I'm losing too, I'm losing too much blood. But when he knew, when he knew the separation of the Father would come, that's when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, that's the most painful thing for Jesus. And he did that willingly for us. That's the cost to him. What is the most, most important thing for us? That's what we've given up for someone that doesn't deserve it. That's what Jesus did. And he wants to do that because he wants us to receive that love. And, and sometimes we forget that it's free for us because it's easy to receive because it's free, but it costs him a lot. And uh, this amazing love that we are receiving, we also, it's good for us to really think about it because if we receive it too easily and too readily, we may not fully understand the cost of it. And if we have, a, a diff- if we have difficulty understanding it and grasping it and receiving it, we may not be able to love others in the same way. Just love others in an unconditional, sacrificial way. Love others in the way that Jesus has taught us how to love. Um, And as we will understand fully his love and the cost of his love and receive his love for us, that's how we are to love others. We are to love others as in the way that Jesus loved us. So the more we fully understand it and receive it, the more we can actually love others. Um, And to share that love with others. Um, However, God's plan is for us to share his love, God's love, here first within our local church. Because it's from John 13, verse 34 and 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, it's, it's a way God wants us to love everybody. But he wants us to start loving each other here first. It's a way for us to slowly work out our understanding of his love and to exercise that love onto those, our brothers and sisters here in this local church. Um, Paul understood this very well, I thought, when he, when he wrote in Philippians 4.1. He said, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. See, Paul meant what he said because he understood God's love, and he understood his command. And he was able to love the church, even though they um, didn't support him, even though they talked about him, and even though through all the struggles and the obstacles and the persecution, he still loved the church because of his understanding for God's love. And, um, and just as us learning how to love from Jesus, when we love someone, It's free for them to receive it, but it will cost us something. Um, You know, an example on on us loving others is from Acts 2, where it said everybody, uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When we love each other in the way that God loves us, we, we will love people 
regardless of what they look like. We will love people regardless of their age. We will love the hipster, the same things we love the business people. You know, we love the singles, the same things we love someone who has kids. You know, we love white people, just the same we love Asian people, right? We love black people, just the same things we love white people. God loves, that's how we learn how to love because he doesn't care what we look like. He doesn't care who we are, how much, we, how much money we make. Because if he did, we would be in a lot of trouble. And, you know, when we love those, when we love everybody the same, that's when we can work out what God has done for us and fully, fully understanding his love for us. And some of those practical things, is, you know, for us, it's just to be generous to each other, generous with our time. You know, for those who have kids, invite some singles people to your house to have dinner. For the singles, hang out with some couples. And for the singles, hang out with those who have kids. Yes, I know it's very chaotic <laughs> to have kids running around. But, you know, for those who have kids, that's the fact of life for them every single day. But it's a way for us to... for the singles to bless them, bless us, bless people with kids. Because, because it's going back to what we learned from Jesus. It's free for the people receiving it, but it should cost us something to give out that love. And it, costs, it should be more than just a little inconvenient because that's not how Jesus loved us. Um, the, be generous with our gifting. You know, we, we have... many people with many different gifting in here. We got business people, we have teachers, we have artists. You know, if you're really good with money, help someone how to manage the money. Because the things that, that God has given us, has gifted us with, that we were able to achieve fame and money outside the church, he wants us to bring that in the church and bless other people with it. Because it should cost others nothing to receive the love that you have, but it should cost you something. When you, when you give them the love that we are supposed to give per Jesus. Um, same thing with our finance. You know, if you have a lot of money, you know, I'm not talking about tithes and offering, but if you have a lot of money, help those who don't have money. Even if you don't have a lot of money, use a little that you have. Help those who don't have money. It should come at a cost to us because as we understand God's love and let that love flow out from us, It should cost us something, unconditionally and sacrificially. Um, you know, God has always loved us unconditionally. We know that. And he doesn't care what we can or cannot do. And it's the same thing as when we love other pe- people here within the church. You know, we, well, we, well, in this church, we believe in the gifts. But I want to remind us again, you know, don't love the gifts. Love people. God loves the people more than what we can do. Um, we, when we pray for people, which we do that a lot, when we pray for people, love the people first. Don't love to pray for people. When we love the people, the prophetic will flow. When we love the people, God's presence will be here. Don't love what you do. Love the people. Uh, an example is from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, when Paul wrote, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Um, See, that's that's the magnitude of what Paul thinks about the gifts. It's great. We need it. We need the gifts to flow. 
for him to move among us, but without loving the people, it's nothing. And as we live out those, and we should, and actually, we shouldn't stop at just loving those, our brothers and sisters within the church, because it's, it's how God is allowing us to work out how we love people. We start out with those within the church, but then we need, we as a church, need to extend that love to those outside the church. That's what we're calling, that's what we're called to do. That's how we advance his kingdom. Because we can, and you know, I want to make a statement that we can love those within the church and those outside the church at the same time. However, we cannot, in the way that God loves us, we cannot love those outside the church without loving those in the church. It's, it's, gonna, it's a strong statement, but God's love is permanent. It's deep. It's, it's not temporary. If we love other people outside the church in our own love, fleshy love, it we're going to be here today, it'll be gone tomorrow. But as we understand God's love and outworked it slowly through here in this body, we will be able to expand it out to the strangers because, you know, realistically, um, how can we consistently love somebody when they consistently say bad things about us? If we don't know how, if we're not able to do that here first, how, we con- how can we consistently lay down our lives as Jesus did for us to those here within the church? If we're not able to do that, how can we possibly lay down our lives to a stranger? And that's why Jesus wants us to love each other. And once we are able to fully understand that love and be able to give that love freely to those who receive it, but at a cost to us, that's when we can extend it further out. And that has always been, always been God's intent, is for the people outside the church, uh, through Ephesians 3.10, for the people outside the church to experience God's goodness, his glory, and his power through the church. And that's where he wants us to advance his kingdom, is through the church. So we, as a church, need to share his love with others outside the church. Again, you know, going back to what we learned from Jesus, they should be able to receive it freely and unconditionally, unconditionally. But it will be at a cost for us. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say that in a heavy way, but it's the only way that we know how to love, right? Because Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I've loved you. Jesus learned how to love from the Father. We learn how to love from Jesus, from the examples that he set out and how he loves people. We, some of the practical things from that is just doing good, good things without condition. Shovel the driveways for our neighbors when it's snowing. Mow the lawn. Bring them a meal without expecting something in return. Ask them over for dinner. Do some nice things for them. Check up on them on a, on a winter day, you know, on, on a day when it's snowing and it's really cold. Just give them a call. Check up on them. And don't expect anything in return. You know, love those who are different than us. There's so many different organizations out there today. You know, we, as we understand God's love and understand that he loves us the same, we need to be, not we need, we will be able to love the widows and the single mom just as much as we love someone who's in the family. You know, we will be able to love the homeless just as much as someone who lives in a penthouse in the Trump Tower because they're all people. God loves each and every one of us the same. Um, we will love those who are, be able to love those who are misunderstood. 
you know, the outcasts, the lonely, you know, those with addictions, those needing to turn to alcohol, you know, those find the self-worth in their jobs, in what they do, find the self-worth in what kind of cars they drive, how big their houses, houses are. Um, you know, as we fully understand God's love, we will be able to love those who have different sexual orientation. We will be able to love those who have a different opinions on gay marriage. We will be able to love those who have a different political viewpoint from us. Yes, God hates sin, but he loves people. We need to remember that God loves people. And when we love people, I know I was talking about he loves white people, black people. When God loves people, there's no such thing as white privileges. There's no such thing as black privileges. Pri- privileges. There's no such thing as Asian privileges. Overprivileged, underprivileged. It doesn't really matter because he loves each and every one of us the same. And as we fully understand that and receive his love for us, we will realize that God loves people. And we will be able to see things and realize that we are to love people. And it's free for them, but it's at a cost for us. Um, You know, it's not easy as someone who is in business to be able to hang out and go and, you know, do all the different things to with people who is not in a business setting. But it's because when you love people, it doesn't really matter where you are. When you love people, it doesn't really matter where you're meeting for lunch. When you love people, it doesn't really matter where you're having a drink. When you love people, that's all that matters. Everything else will go away. Um, we, you know, I, I do want to make the statement that, we, you know, we can't just go on and not love um, those around us, whether it's in the local church or the outside church, and just rejoice in his love. You know, we can just receive his love, focusing on our jobs, our day-to-day activities, you know, our responsibilities, our kids. We can still receive his love. He's good like that. You know, he's not going to take it back. He, still, he will still love us. But we're missing out. Because when, not if, but when we have a revelation of his love for us and want to receive all that he has for us, we will not be able to contain it. We, it, it will overflow from us and onto those people around us because we want to share with them through the things that we say and what we do of how much God loves you, how much God loves other people. It's, you know, in Isaiah 55, what God said, my word will go from my mouth and will not return to me empty. That's the same thing. When we experience God's love, it will, we will receive it, understand it, understand the cost of it, and we will be able to allow that love to flow through us. Accept the cost. Not counting the cost of loving people and allow people to receive it freely without expecting anything back in return. Um, love As we said before, you know, when God calls us to go, love isn't an action word. You know, we are to love others within our body through, through what we say and through what we do. Because that's the way God has loved us, to what he say and what he does. And we love those outside the body, through what we say and through to what we do. And that's how we live daily for the king. Because when we live daily for the king through God's love for us and how we love others, that's how we're advancing his kingdom. Not just what we say, but also through what we do. It's, um, and that's just one aspect of us advancing his kingdom. Through understanding his love, 
through receiving his love and allow his love to flow from us onto those around us. Um, I, uh, I'm going to call Steve up in a couple minutes just to close the meeting. But I, as I was preparing and, uh, and praying for this, I really felt to, uh, for us together as a body to, uh, if you don't mind, just standing. I just want for us together just to pray about this over the city. Uh, I, I think someone came up uh, earlier in, in one of the sharing in the contribution about praying for the Savior. That I just really felt this as I was praying for, for others. It's from, uh, it's from Revelation verse 22, verse 17, when God said, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And I just want for us together just to pray over this city with those words. It's like, dear Father, I just thank you for you, God. I just thank you for this morning. I just thank you for what you have, have spoken to us. Just thank you for the things that you've shared with us, Lord. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come with us together as a body, that we will be able to speak to this city through the things that we say and the things that we do and, and, and invite them to come. Just come and drink this free water, this water of life that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. I just pray for that over this, uh, this, this, this city block, this neighborhood, this town, and just let the people know of your incredible love for them, Lord Jesus. And I just pray right now, God, that you will reveal more of yourself to us. Allow us to know more of your love, just a greater revelation of who you are and your love for us and, and your might and your passion. I would just thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I just pray that you are... Give us the strength and the conviction and the courage to be able to let your love flow from us through those around us and allow us to advance your kingdom through our knowledge of you, our knowledge of your love for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more podcasts at churchinthecity.us.